Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien. Hello and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am co-host John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association, coming to you from Dillsburg, Pennsylvania, good old central PA. Life is good here in God's country. Joined, as always, by fellow co-host of the Building PA podcast, the esteemed, highly respected, all-around great guy, Chris Martin. Chris, what's up, brother? You know, John, every week you give me such a great, great intro, and I love it. You like you boost me up. You get me feeling good. I thank you. It makes me feel I, great. I'm just, I want you to bring your A game today. Uh, you have a great guest, so bring the A game out. Now, Chris, come on. Kick it off, brother. Uh, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. Hey, everybody. This is Chris Martin with Atlas Marketing. How are you doing today? You can check us out at atlasstories.com. And John is in God's country. I'm in Pittsburgh, so I don't know what that makes Pittsburgh. But I feel just as good as John does today because we're talking on the Building PA Podcast. And you can check that out at buildingpapodcast.com for all of our past issues, our past episodes, sorry, I get that always confused. And you can search, you can find if there is anything related to the construction industry, construction business, construction trends, do a search and find it. If not, tell us and we will get that on one of our future episodes. What do you Boom. think, John? We're ready to go? Boom! We're yeah. ready. We're excited. the hammer. Nice. Good stuff here. Yeah, so speaking of that, that's a nice segue into our topic here. So, so we talked about, Chris said, we've never talked about it, bring it to the podcast and we will touch on it. Well, here's something, a topic that KCA has dealt with and talked about the past couple of years and members have talked about and Pennsylvanians have talked about, but we've never had an issue. We never had an episode on the podcast about worker re-entry. So that's today's topic and I'm jazzed up. I'm fired up for this. This should be a good one here. We have Josh Strickler from Diplomat Demolition. So Josh, welcome to the show. Hello. How are we doing? Doing well. Well, right on the edge of God's country in Morgantown. I have horse wow. and buggies outside. Nice. There we go. That's awesome. That's a beautiful part of the country, too. Or a state, I should say, not this country. What am I talking about? Get some shepherd's pie out there, right? It's some good shepherd's pie. Some whoopie pies. Nice. I like that. Life is good. But yeah, welcome yeah. to the show, Josh. Maybe want to give a little intro on yourself and let people know who you are. I, my name is Josh Strickler. I am a chief operations officer at Diplomat Demolition. The company was started in 2007. I started with them in 2012. I was originally hired as a roll-off driver, drove a truck, dropped off dumpsters. And then over the course of my tenure, I've just climbed all the way up and now I lead the operations. We currently have about 70 workers in the field, 12 or so office and support staff, including some field managers, two full-time mechanics, sister companies. Yeah, the owner, Jason Johnson, is extremely interested in growth. so that's been consistent the whole time I've been here. And part of your growth strategy includes worker reentry, which is yeah. Awesome. So we started off, you know, like most construction companies, with a lot of ups and downs. You have a roller coasters with seasons and just different lulls in the workload. So uh, probably my first run as a project manager, we had a couple of big projects. We had a very big contract come through for a school. It was our biggest contract to date at the time, and in order 
order to cover the rest of our workload, we were kind of shorthanded. I had another project manager working with me. His name is Richard Walls, and he was, he's a veteran. So it started with that. He made contact with a place called Impact Services out of Philadelphia. They concentrate on getting veterans and also people who are re-entering the workforce who are recently incarcerated. So that was probably the beginning of how it started. And then it stemmed off pretty quickly after that into us working with Montgomery County Correctional Facility. We had a work release program with them. We've taken some people on work release and hired them after they were released. It's been pretty successful. It's a lot of work and to go through all the rigmarole and red tape to go through a program like that. It's really tough now, post-COVID. Courts are backed up and people don't get released. Mm -hmm. So that makes it tough, but yeah, that's pretty much how it rolled out. And uh, <laughs> we've been taking advantage of it ever since. Josh, you mentioned the kind of the process. Could you elaborate on that a little bit for our listeners? Like if, what are some of the hurdles that you have to go through? Is there like a certification process for your company? Like help us understand what that looks like. It's no, it's not really any different than, you know, hiring anybody off the street. It, you know, there's an interview process. I would take trips up to the prison and go and in, go inside, which is something I never did before this. The whole uh, scanning and guards everywhere. And it's different, obviously. A little intimidating. Huh? Yeah, the first time. But then, you know, once you do it five or six or 10 times, you get over it. But yeah, so it started off, I went up with the owner and the vice president of my company. We met with man who was in charge of the work release program. We just went up there, discussed the program. We had to give him a little bit of information, company background, what we do, discuss some of the logistics of how the people were going to get to work. We actually ended up having a driver go and pick them up. We purchased a van, so we would have a driver go up there and pick them up in the morning. They go to work. At the end of the day, driver drops them off. No problems. The whole time we were doing that, I never had any issues with anybody that was working for us. They were all actually very polite, well-mannered, followed the rules, did what they wanted. I would joke about it like, yeah, you know, they're going to be the best workers because the other option is going back in the box and <laughs> nobody wants to do that. So, And compared to some of the other companies that were doing the work release, our job was is much better, I think. And I think because they're all together, word of mouth spreads very quickly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when some guys have to go out and collect garbage and start at 4 a.m. and get paid half as much money, it becomes real easy for people to start asking, oh, I want to go do demolition with diplomats. So I had applicants every single time I went up there, I would call ahead and I'd be told, oh, there's like six guys that are interested. And then by the time I got up there, it would be 10 because they would talk in between when the appointment was set and when I got there. So, but yeah, I mean, no, no real difficult stuff as far as, you know, getting involved with it. You just reach out, you know, wherever you can. Now, is that the prison systems you went to? Are they, would they be considered local prisons or state prisons? It's a county. County. Okay. Yeah. So the, um, I was going to say the inmates in the county, they're, they live there, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. Because the part I didn't know until last week when we held that round table, which you helped out with for the KCA, I didn't even think of that when you talk about state prisons, you know, a person could could be in Camp Hill right down the road from me, but they're from Philadelphia or they could be anywhere in the state, you know, so that could be a hurdle for hiring from the, through the state, I would think. Yeah, I think so. But obviously they know where people are going to be released to. Yeah. So it might be hard as far as, you know, having some sort of interview process while somebody is still inside. But I think technology has proven to us that there really is no distance anymore. I mean, look what yeah. we're doing now. So yeah. 
It's pretty easy to figure that kind of stuff out. Just get somebody in there with access. You can have a phone conversation, Zoom call, whatever it is. Josh, can you tell us about some of the results that you've seen? I mean, you mentioned, you know, you'd go up at freaking six and all of a sudden there'd be 10. You know, is that like on a weekly basis? Like help us understand what the results have been for you. So the real value of this, well, for the work release anyway, is that the labor force is pretty much always available. And if you have any kind of seasonal business or up and downs, it's great for that because, you know, when people get come out on work release, you know, they might have three months on their sentence that they're eligible for work release. So you use them for those three months. And then when they get out, you can make a decision whether you need them full time or not. And it's a very no strings kind of situation, which really helps in in businesses like that. My company has actually done a lot to kind of level out. I really want to maintain a more even keel month to month level of work. So now concentrated more on the re-entry where people are already out, right? And that's where Impact Services is fantastic. They provide backing to the people that come out. They help them with housing. They help them with training. And they will actually do a preliminary interview and filter people out. So they're in Philadelphia. One of the requirements for anyone working in Philadelphia in demolition is to have a minimum OSHA 10 certification. So they will actually put Everybody that comes through to me, they already put them through that. So they're coming in with their certifications ahead of time. They look at the other criteria that I have. I need somebody who has a vehicle and a driver's license because they're responsible to get to all of our different sites. So that takes place. So by the time I'm seeing resumes from them, there are they've already been filtered once, which saves a lot of time and gets me a really good candidate. Nice. Josh, is that you mentioned that is in Philadelphia. Are there other services like that, or is that the only one? I would imagine that there are other services. I don't really want to mention another one that I looked into because I was very put <laughs> off. That's fair. They concentrate on integrating veterans, right? And I'm like, that's fantastic. I love veterans. They have, yeah. you know, if they served our country, that's great. I appreciate that. I have a lot of veterans that we currently employ. The gentleman that I spoke about earlier, Richard Walls, he actually left our company, worked for a GC, got some more experience in construction all around and now he's back with us as an estimator and he's doing a fantastic job. But that particular outfit that I reached out to said, all right, great. You know, we got these vets lined up. We'll send you a list. Give us $4,000. Well, wait a minute. This is to help veterans get back to work. You know, that's terrible that you charge that much money for that. So that was a real put off. But as far as places like Impact, I don't know. I've been so successful with them. I haven't really searched out anybody else. But I would imagine any major urban area would have something like that. Like I'm sure mm-hmm. Pittsburgh does, probably Harrisburg. I don't know. John, he, Josh just brought up a really great point, there, which is if you are interested in doing this for your business, and it seems like there is this is a great opportunity to handle or not handle, but manage the, the workforce development, workforce shortages that we're seeing in the industry, but don't get suckered into a pay-to-play situation when there's other companies out there or other services that are more in tune to help and, and do that. Did I hear you right, Josh? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're helping people, you know, with either re-entry or veterans, whatever it is, you know, it it should be something that everybody comes together to do, right? We have businesses, businesses have needs, we need labor, you know, and it should be a joint effort. You know, it's not a profit-making 
part of the right. business. Yeah. Make your profit doing your real business, yep. you know, not taking advantage of people who are in, you know, not the best situation. Agreed. Agreed. So does your company work on a state by chance? We do. We work okay. Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, and Maryland. Are there any sort of issues with that as far as crossing state borders at all? Yeah. People on probation or parole, they have to file to be able to leave the state. I work directly with different parole and probation officers and try to get longer terms on that. Most of the time for Pennsylvania, they are limiting that to 30 days, right? Well, some of my jobs last three years. So I will reach out to them directly on behalf of whoever the employee is and give them the situation. You know, this is what it is. This person works for me. They do a good job. They have to travel to Delaware. I don't know which days they're going to be to Delaware. We use a geofence time clock. So every everybody that works for us has an application on their phone. When they get to the job site, they clock in. It pings their phone, gives us a geofence location. This is how we make sure that people are actually clocking in on the job and where they are. And it helps with insurance liabilities. And there's tons of advantages to that system. And one of the advantages is I can explain to the PO, you know, if you want to know where this person is, I can bring up their time card and tell you exactly when and where they clocked in and when they clocked out. So, you know, if somebody's working seven to three thirty, they get done at three thirty. I have their clock out punch at this site in New Jersey or Delaware, whatever it is, then they can kind of gauge on when that person should be back home and whether or not they're gallivanting or doing something yeah. they probably shouldn't. And then you bring up the parole officers. It seems like People like me, I only hear like the worst stories ever. You know, I'm sure there's tons of great parole officers. What's kind of your experience? Are they overall, you know, good to work with? I'm still looking to hear some of those great stories. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Is it now? Does that differ between local and state? And I don't know if you touch it all with federal. Does I don't know. Based on our conversation that we had last week at the roundtable, I would say that the state seems to be more inclined to be helpful. Some of the local ones and some of the people that I've dealt with in the counties, they are not as cooperative. And those are the uh, stories I don't know. It's like a power thing and they just want to assert themselves. Yeah. But yeah, it's not always good. And it's not right because the whole point of all of this is to get people to go to work and be productive. And if you're going to have somebody who's demanding that they miss work, that's completely against what we're trying to do. What are some of the, from your perspective and from your experience, I should say, not from your perspective, but what are some of the challenges that you've not only run into but are anticipating in the future with not only, you know, with, with incarcerations or veterans, but as a whole in the reentry aspect? Uh, transportation probably is the number one thing. There's a lot of companies that don't have the same requirements that mine does. So other people that don't have the need for their employees to get to job sites and carry a set of tools with them, for example, or maybe if you just need a straight laborer who doesn't need to be bringing tools. I, it changes, but for me, that's the biggest problem is I'm looking for somebody who's capable of carrying a set of tools, getting to a job, no matter where it is, you know, we're working in about a 60 mile radius of our home office. So I mean, that that can be a decent amount of travel time, depending on where you live, if right. you're going all the way to the other side. I have a lot of employees that live in Delaware. I have a lot of employees from Philadelphia, some out west, some up north, but the majority of them are towards the southeast of our office. So, you know, when we're working in Allentown and then somebody's in Delaware, they're looking at an hour and 
30 minutes, hour, 45 minute commute. And somebody who's just recently gotten back in to the workforce, they might not have the means to deal with that. So that that makes it a little bit tougher. That's why I think some of the programs that are out there to help that before they take employment somewhere. And, you know, my company does a lot to help the people that we hire. Also, we give people interest-free tool loans. One of the requirement required tools is the Sawzall because we use them so frequently and the work is tough. The the Sawzalls that guys are buying are, you know, two, three hundred dollar piece of equipment and we'll give them a tool loan and take out thirty dollars a paycheck pre-tax. You know what I mean? And just pay it back interest free. So those kind of nice. things, that's what I think an individual company could do, but you gotta get people that can look out and find other programs to help them. Mm. And then concerning the transportation, someone on our roundtable last week, and it might have even been you, made the comment about, was it the state that poo-pooed the process of picking workers up and driving them to the job site? And Well, this uh, representative from the state correctional facilities said that they don't offer work release. Okay. So they concentrate on training in-house and developing skill sets while people are incarcerated. And then when they get out, they run a program to get people employed full-time. So the county's doing the work release. That's a different type of thing. And I think it has its niche as far as the state goes. I think that one, it could be because if you're in a state penitentiary, there's probably a more severity to the infraction. A lot of the guys that I was pulling out of the county, they were locked up for not paying child support, right? So they go in, they're incarcerated until their rears are paid. Well, how do you pay your rears if you're in jail? You go on Mm -hmm. work release and you get a job. They filter your money, you pay for whatever is associated with your incarceration, you pay for your rears for child support. And then when your bills are paid up, they, they send you out. I'm learning a lot today, I have to admit. <laughs> so Josh, I might have my numbers wrong, so bear with me here. You said earlier you have 70 employees, is that correct? Roughly 70 field workers, yes. Okay, approximate, you know, you can give a range or whatever. Of that 70, how many are come through like the re-entry programs that you're involved with? Somewhere from 20 to 30, I would hmm. say at this point. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice. That's a pretty good amount. Yeah, it is. That's people that were run through a program or came from the work release. I would say I probably have another 20 with criminal backgrounds, which is, that's a whole other challenge because we do a lot of work in federal facilities and schools and nursing care facilities, assisted living. So a lot of those places have background checks required for entry, especially the schools. So it does become a little bit of a juggling act to schedule around that and keep my guys that have the clean records going to schools and, you know, pick up the other jobs. So it gets really tough come June when all of a sudden our work shifts and it becomes, you know, 60 to 80 percent schoolwork yeah that's tough i would imagine you have like your school team and then you have like your general teams and doing those things so that kind of helps from an organization standpoint but have you ever have you gotten any pushback or challenges from clients not really no because we send people to get their background checks and for schools for example it's a three-part background check and when we get the results of that background check we know who's on the fence and who's definitely out right 
right. So our clients don't even see that. If we have somebody okay. with some significant infraction, you know, a felony within the past five years, we don't even bother sending yeah. that over yeah. to the clients. The clients, you know, they see the college kids that we hire. You know what I mean? Mm. Right. So it, it's looking like almost what fifty percent of your field work workers are re-entrants. Yeah, that's that's probably pretty accurate. So how's the turnover rate then amongst that workforce sector? I would say re-entrants were somewhere from thirty to fifty percent retention, and company-wide ten percent. So it's definitely better. Yeah, yeah it's good. a lot better. Wow, people that's respond good. very well to being given an opportunity when you know nobody else would, yeah. or it seemed like nobody else would. I have one one gentleman who came out of Montgomery County. He was on work release. We hired him full-time when he got out. He's now a foreman for me. He does a fantastic job. He's been here probably six years now. I have another individual that I hired. She's currently our only female in the field, and she's fantastic. I mean, she's everything that I want an employee. She's very eager to learn. She's responsible, shows up every day on time, very good at communicating if there's any kind of issues. You know, my car broke down. She's letting people know right away. She actually did a training video for me. And it was kind of on the spot. I showed up at a job site uh, for a safety inspection and to go over a piece of equipment that we had gotten, Crusher. And I talked to the foreman. I said, yeah, I want to put together a little bit of a training video. Can you go through it? He just points over, you know, uh, Precious will do it and just banged it out. Full two minute video on how to operate the equipment. It's fantastic. Nice. So cool. I think it goes both ways. It's not just that they're loyal and willing to work. It sounds like your company's, you know, willing to meet them halfway. You give them tools, interest free. You know, it sounds like you're really working with them. So it's, it's paying off. It sounds like. Yeah. You got to take care of everybody. And yep. I've been yep. telling people that for years, my job is to, you know, feed families. Yeah. Yeah. This is a really interesting, innovative, not innovative, maybe it might be a little bit too strong. So, yeah, but it's an interesting approach to the work shortages that are occurring in the industry as a whole. Now, I mean, like you said, you know, school work and those types of things, you know, maybe in senior living or something along those lines, maybe it doesn't work specifically, but there's other aspects where you can find people that are willing to work, are dedicated and are loyal, as John said, to be able to do all of those things that are needed. Needed. I mean, do you see other, you know, are you seeing your competitors doing this? Or are you kind of like the lone wolf out there kind of going about your own thing and getting this done? That's a, that's a tough question. I don't really delve into what my competition does. Having a, a couple other companies busy. that we work with, I've seen a lot of other companies do it on a smaller scale than we do. I don't see, uh, certainly our competition is all either stagnant or going down right? We continue to grow at a pretty phenomenal rate from what I've seen compared to other companies. So I think that we kind of took a front line to it because of that, because we have to solve problems quicker. A lot of the people that we work with, our clients, they are shocked at our turnaround time, our response. You know, I'll have somebody email me, for example, and say, all right, I'm going to be picking up my permits, you know, by the end of the week. When can I have a start date? And then I will respond and say, I'll have my field supervisor out there Monday. We'll start Tuesday. And then they want to put on the brakes afterwards. You know, they're asking me, <laughs> assuming that it's going to be a two or three week drag and you know we're not going to have anybody available and i have teams beating schedules every day 
You know, it's a much better problem to have. You know, I would rather jump the hurdle of how do I put these guys to work than how do I deal with the work being overloaded and I can't get where I need to promise. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just a matter of taking advantage of every opportunity. And if your opportunity is to give somebody else a chance, then it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. You know, it, John, I, th- I think that is a perfect way to end this conversation, at least for the moment, because, you is. know, Josh, I can imagine we're going to have a lot more questions and would love to have more conversations around this topic. Really intriguing component. But Josh, I want to thank you for joining us on the Building PA podcast today. This was a really interesting conversation. Hey, no problem. Yeah, this is back-to-back weeks here with Josh and the KCA. So we'll have to share the video of the roundtable last week as well so our audience can hear those tips. Well, Josh, thank you very much, man. Thanks. You're quite welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining the Building PA podcast. To stay up to date, Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.